Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Jedediah Coppinger to the podcast. Dr. Coppinger serves as the lead pastor of Redemption City Church in Franklin, Tennessee. He's also an accomplished author, having recently published his book, 21 Days to Childlike Prayer, Changing Your World, One Specific Prayer at a Time. Jed, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Thanks, Dr. Allen. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, it's good to talk. And uh, of course, we have no, numerous points of interest here in commonality, and uh, we may touch on some of those today. But uh, I'm delighted to have a more focused conversation with you about your new book and, uh, and really building it out from your new book. We should be talking about the praying pastor and why it matters and uh, why ministers especially should be given to prayer. And so I look forward to that opportunity with you here momentarily. Uh, before we get to that, give us an update on yourself and uh, your family and uh, on your church. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, the opportunity. Yeah, we're, we're celebrating. Uh, we're coming up on nine years here at Redemption City Church since we started the church. And um, we are in the middle of building a first building on a piece of property that uh, was given to us in kind of miraculous fashion. Um, and uh, moving forward, and most of uh, the church is, has come back. We've actually grown some since COVID. And and so uh, uh, we're seeing a lot of great things happen that uh, we don't take for granted. At home, um, Melanie and I just celebrated 15 years. Um, got uh, three kids, and the, the oldest is stepping into high school, so it's a new season for us uh, in that way. And um, just uh, a lot of fun things happening this season in life. Yeah, and say a word about, uh, not about this book, we're going to say more than a word about it, but about any other future uh, books that you desire to write or any other ministry initiative or opportunity before you that uh, our listeners might find of interest? Right now, there's nothing contracted, but there's a, a, a couple of uh, potential writing projects related to prayer, uh, related to our work on the farm. Um, at our church, uh, one of the ministries that we launched in the middle of the uh, 2020, in the middle of COVID, was we use part of our church property to grow food and give away to meet food shortages here locally. And uh, we've just passed a little over 75,000 pounds of food that we've grown and given away. And uh, it's kind of a George Mueller uh, strategy for showing God uh, approach that uh, we feel like the Lord has led us to, to step into. And so uh, there's been conversations about potential projects related to, uh, uh, to that story and potentially multiplying those types of ministries uh, mercy ministries through the life of other churches through a, a book of, of some sort, but nothing under contract uh, as of now. So 75,000 pounds, that's no small accomplishment. Is that over like a couple of years or is that one year's planting and harvest? That's over two years or the way they figure this. Uh, it's, it's fed a little over 50,000 people. And again, we're not, not a huge church, but it's amazing what you can do uh, with a little bit of vision, with a little bit of land. So like, how many acres was the garden? The garden was less than two acres. So you mean less and than so, two acres produced over the course of two years, 75,000 pounds of food. That's right. Well, yeah, it's been a it, lot of potatoes. It, it, <laughs> uh, there's some potatoes in there, uh, and it definitely was a – there was a, a lot of difficulty that went into uh, those first couple of years, but we feel like we have it in a place that uh, we hope can multiply in the life of the church. And actually, here uh, this today, we heard about conversations with other churches that are looking – 
to get some coaching to do the same thing. But yeah, it's a little bit of work uh, on a few days and actually it's a lot of work. Um, but you get the right kind of team. It's amazing how the body of Christ, God provides the people for that and, and partnerships and relationships in the area to, uh, to get food to the people that need it most. That's great. Well, listen, let's move uh, and focus the conversation here on the topic today, the praying pastor. And again, we're building it from your recently released book, 21 Days to Childlike Prayer, um, Changing Your World One Specific Prayer at a Time. It's out with Harvest House Publishers. And I guess I want to begin the conversation by uh, asking you this question. Ministries and ministers tend to take on different distinctives. You know, some ministers are all about the preaching. Some ministers are all about the evangelism. Some ministers are all about you know, having great worship. S- some ministers are you know, more organizationally or operationally minded, and so that they really lean into the, uh, the structure of the church from a leadership standpoint and so forth. So I, I guess for you, clearly there's a burden here and an interest, uh, so much so that you've written a book on the topic of prayer itself. Uh, what made prayer for you take on such a, such a centrality in your life and ministry? Yeah, I, you know, it's one of those things that uh, did not mark my ministry in any meaningful kind of way early on, in a way certainly that I didn't feel comfortable. I, I wouldn't have felt comfortable um, writing a book on it or, or um, uh, pushing people towards it, modeling in any kind of way. I, so I, my experience of struggling with prayer is really where it all started. And going through a tough season, uh, I discovered the prayer life I always was looking for um, and just essentially seeing God work in my problems and plans in specific ways. Jesus became real in a kind of second Corinthians 12 kind of way that Paul talks about in those pressures and those catastrophes in a way that I'd always longed for. And uh, so whenever that happened in my life, I just, I wanted other people to experience it. And so for years I'd help people here at our church uh, experience the same kinds of things that I was uh, uh, experiencing in my prayer life. And as I pointed people to other books, some of my favorite books on prayer, uh, I began to get a, a number of people gave me feedback. Hey, it, it'd be great to have something that kind of did this. It was a little bit more accessible, a little bit more, um, it's something that we could go through together. And so that's kind of what I tried to do in the 21 days to childlike prayer. Um, a lot of people uh, struggle they, they think that it's, uh, to quote Paul Miller in his great book of praying life, he says, a lot of people think the praying life is, is for people that are really disciplined. And he says, actually, no, it's, it's, it's just getting in touch with your desperation. Um, and uh, Jesus says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. And so it's these problems that lead us to him in prayer. And when you learn to do that, uh, it really can revolutionize not just your prayer life, but your view of all of your life, uh, your view of God and so many other things. So elaborate a touch autobiographically. Where did you find yourself uh, by way of desire, perhaps need, perhaps I think your word was desperation? And uh, what did you learn through that through that context? And uh, how did that kind of show up as a book? So it was, uh, we were going through some difficult things at the church. And it was one of those storms that felt like it was uniquely designed to confront me with personal idols um, and uh, weaknesses that. Uh, I needed to deal with. And um, in the middle of, and these were staff related issues and it was friends that you thought, oh, you know, you never thought the opinion would change or that they would ever get shaken by any kind of uh, situation um, were shaking. And and there were a series of things related to that. And 
Uh, I want people to be happy. I want people to think well of me. And these things were not happening. I'll just put it that way. And in the middle of that, uh, it felt like piece by piece, my life and ministry was being dismantled. And it was a, it was my version of a worst case scenario. And in the, in the middle of that, I picked up a book that I had been given a little bit ago, uh, a book by Paul Miller, A Praying Life, that was massively influential on me in that, in that moment where essentially I learned to turn these problems into prayers. And when I offered these prayers to uh, do it with a childlike faith, and uh, there's a number of things related to the Lord's Prayer that he helped me see. Um, like, for instance, that I missed for a very long time, that the nature of the conversation in prayer that Jesus tries to set up for us is uh, the conversation between a, a parent and a child, a father and a child. And the nature of the conversation determines, uh, of the relationship determines the nature of that conversation. And so I, I'd never seen it until that moment, but realized um, really God's just trying to help us get in touch with our, our weaknesses. Um, he's not trying to point to weaknesses that aren't there. He's just trying to help us push back the pride that blinds us to our need to pray because pride doesn't pray. And he uses our problems and pressures to highlight the fact that we aren't enough, but he is. And he's present and he's willing to help us. And so I started to pray with, spe- with specificity, which is such an important part of a, a meaningful prayer life. And, see, see, and I just started to see God work in unique ways uh, that I'd never seen before. And it wasn't because I had it all together. And it wasn't because I, did fan- I prayed fancy prayers. Uh, because it really doesn't take great prayers to see great things happen. It just takes a great God who's available, who cares for us. And uh, there were a number of other things. In the middle of that, uh, it led me into a prayer life uh, that I really had always longed to have. And I pointed everybody I knew towards uh, uh, Paul Miller's book, but most weren't making it through that. And uh, I didn't want to sacrifice um the substance of what he's speaking about there or what I'd read in other books. But it did seem to me that there was a need for something that really uh, did its best to become accessible enough for even new Christians to read, but substantive enough uh, for, for serious Christians to read, mature Christians to read that would challenge them. And um, so that's kind of where I went. We did a number of 21 days uh, of prayer uh, series over the years and just seemed like that light at the end of the tunnel helped more people engage with it. And uh, so that's a little bit about how I ended up uh, with the book. Say a word about what you hope the book will accomplish for pastors and in the lives of pastors. I hope that uh, the book is a resource that's substantive enough to challenge even pastors out there, but accessible enough to help uh, new Christians in their congregation, a resource that they could go through together that would help them discover the prayer life that will allow them to walk with a faith in a God that's big enough to do anything, um, but also uh, enables them to be humble enough to not try to pick up burdens that they weren't designed to, to bear in ministry, uh, an unnecessary stress and, and anguish. Um, and really just live with a courage that uh, alone comes about when we have an unshakable and unmistakable awareness of the presence of God in our ministries and in our in our lives. So, you know, week one is all about the principles of the prayer life. Week two is the practices. And I think those all lead to us helping uh, 
Jesus wanted to change our perspective um, on what we should be focused on in our lives, in our lives and ministries. And so hope that this book can contribute to what seems to be a, a growing wave of great resources on prayer um, that can uh, enable the church to face uh, the, the growing challenges all around us. So speaking of the pastor and prayer, um, many pastors, if they're honest, will admit that they struggle in their prayer life. In fact, many pastors exhibit a, a shocking lack of prayer by way of frequency and by way of duration. Um, what have you found in your circles and uh, as you're talking with ministerial friends and engaging pastors, what have you found? And uh, assuming you have found, as these surveys tend to indicate, that uh, most pastors just lack in their prayer life, um, what can you reflect with us on as to why that's the case? I, I've certainly found that to be the case for most pastors, and um, I, I, I think there's a number of reasons. The, 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 the top ones are the ones I try to address in the first week. I think the number one issue is unbelief. Um, there is our view of God uh, reveals um, is revealed in our practice of prayer. And our practice of prayer at a heart level reveals our view of God. Um, so unbelief uh, is one of the major challenges for pastors to pray. We just don't think that asking God to help us with our problems and our plans and our ministry and in our homes and wherever else, our budget problems, uh, that tricky relational uh, you know, thing that came up this week, whatever it is, we struggle to have a high enough view of God that he, we really believe that asking him to help us with those, that he really will, that really will make a difference. Um, we have a small view of, of God in that way. And I think we have the second reason, an elevated view of ourselves. Um, we think that it would be more productive if we just get to work than if we were to ask the Almighty God to help us with our work. And so, you know, you ask someone about their prayer life, you know, how's it going? Well, it's just so busy. And, and I think that uh, it's important for, for us to understand what are we really saying in that moment? What we're saying in that moment is that we think we're more productive. It's more productive just to get to work than it is to ask God to work on our behalf. And so I think unbelief and pride are the two major battles to where our prayer life starts or stops. Unbelief doesn't pray. Pride doesn't pray. And Jesus flips those with the Lord's Prayer by pointing us to a Father who's in heaven. He's a Father, so He's willing to help. He's in heaven, so He's able to help. That Psalm 115.3, our God is in the heavens and does whatever He pleases. He says, you're talking to that God, and if He's a Father, that means you're a child. And of course, that's a shot to the pride. Uh, and that's the starting point or the stopping point of prayer. I think as you move past those two reasons, um, the next major reason why prayer life isn't isn't growing and meaningful for people, for pastors particularly in ministries, because we struggle with what I call the vague prayer syndrome. We never get specific with our prayer life. So we pray things like, God bless today, be with us. And again, those are fine prayers to pray. And he's certainly going to do those because he's promised. That he would do those things. No one gets excited uh, of hearing the story of, of someone who said, you know what, today uh, we went to lunch as a family and and I prayed that God would bless the food and he did. No one's moved right. by that. That's great. We don't want to take that for granted. 
But whenever you say we've been praying for a, a job situation to open up by the end of the month in this city, and it happened, or we were praying that God would uh, give us this land uh, in, in the, the situation that I referenced earlier, that God would just cause this person to give us a couple million dollars of land. And then it just it happened. It would have been great if it happened in and of itself, but praying for it along the way uh, makes it even greater. And the more persistent you are in prayer, the more powerful that moment is. And so I'd say getting specific with your prayer request um, or is a major uh, or the lack of specificity is a, a major problem for most people's prayer life. And then finally, the trust piece. Um, oftentimes, when we don't get a specific yes to a prayer in ministry uh, or in life or whatever, we don't think that it wasn't what was best for me. Um, but we actually think uh, it's essentially a version of this thing doesn't work. He's not hearing me. Um, but Abraham in, in Romans chapter four, you know, is able to read his circumstances and recognize that his wife's womb was uh, pretty much dead, but at the same time grow in faith. And I think that's because he remembered who he's talking to. He remembered who he's praying and that childlike trust enabled him to grow through the, uh, uh, the lack of situation that he wanted to have. And so I think I think those are four major areas that um, pastors um, struggle with. And I, I think it's, it's, it's important to understand it's, it's an ongoing struggle and you can get clear on these things, but having um, a key, uh, an approach, a practical approach is what I, I, I try to provide in that first week helps you know what the battle lines are and how to get back on track. And it also helps your people do the same kind of thing, but it's, it's easy to go through uh, ministry without uh, without the prayer life uh, that uh, God wants you to have, and I think I think there's a lot of, a lot of problems that we we have to pay attention to uh, if we're doing that. So let's try to pull the conversation together with one final question from me, and that is, talk about the correlation and the ramifications of a pastor's prayer life, good or bad, and the congregation as a whole. Well, I tell you. Um, as a pastor, you want to integrate your prayer life uh, into your ministry, uh, not just because it's a box you want to check, but because anybody in pastoral ministry uh, is going to want to see their situation uh, as God sees it. And your prayer life, I think, to a very large degree, reveals whether or not you're seeing things rightly. If you aren't praying, I think it's uh, uh, Spurgeon talks about, uh, I'm going to mess it up, but it's essentially, uh, he says, the minister who doesn't pray over his work must surely be a vain and conceited man. He must be very careless about his ministry and can't comprehend his calling. And he goes on to say something to the effect of, um, you think that if you plan and if you preach, if you say the words in just the right way, that it's going to bring the new life from the, the dead hearts all around you. Like it's what a pride, you know, he speaks to. And I think that uh, your prayer life shows how you're really seeing things. Do you really see how great the task is before you? Are you praying over your sermons as you get ready uh, to preach throughout the week? Do you stop and ever get on your knees? I'm not saying you got to do it every week, but are you on your knees? praying that sermon? Are you asking 
God to work on your behalf uh, throughout your ministry. So I think that in your preparation, you need to evaluate what does my prayer life look for look like. I think on Sundays uh, you want to pray uh, after the sermon, guided prayer, find some meaningful role for prayer to be uh, a part of your services and um, to have prayer teams and prayer nights. And what that does whenever you are making prayer a public aspect of your ministry, some form, some fashion, you're showing your people what they, where do they need to look for the power that they need for their lives and what your church is looking to for the power. It's not slick planning. It's not, uh, you know, a, a great preacher. And we want to do those things, but we need to hear uh, Spurgeon, one of our heroes' uh, words where he says that he would, he would rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. And so uh, as you think about, hey, how do you integrate? How does it correlate? There's a good chance that you could be having great success in your ministry um, and you don't have a great prayer life. It could be that there's someone else over here uh, outside of your ministry that's praying for your ministry and God's blessing him through that. You never know how it's going to be until you get into eternity. But I'd say there's no future where God wants the pastors of all people praying less than they are now. Uh, if they don't feel like there's a meaningful uh, prayer life in their ministry, it's not integrated throughout their ministry, that uh, I would, I'd, I want to sound the alarm. I want to encourage you to read a book. I want to encourage you to read some book. But I'd say it's, it's a, a major problem that uh, is very hard to detect. Well, Jed, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you for the conversation today on uh, the pastor in prayer. And I want to commend here on the back end of that conversation. Your new book, 21 Days to Childlike Prayer, Changing Your World, One Specific Prayer at a Time, recently released with Harvest House Publishers. And uh, Jed, I, I pray that it gets a, a wide readership. Thank you for joining me today on Preaching and Preachers. Thanks, Dr. Allen. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.